Today as we gather in the church on the eve of uh, Covenant Thursday, um, we read many events starting from uh, this morning uh, with Judas going to the uh, to the priests and the Pharisees and asking them, what will you give me that I may deliver him up to you? And then he makes a deal with them. And then on the same evening, uh, which is now as we read, we read of an incident of the Lord Jesus Christ being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. And then we hear of the story of uh, Mary who, or a woman who is coming and pouring uh, a very costly perfume Lord, on his, on his feet. And then when we, when we see these two events of two people doing different things, uh, if I may say, to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, what caught my attention is two verses that come together. One of them that the Lord is going to say to Pilate in a couple of days when he stands in front of him and Pilate tells him, don't you know that I have authority to crucify you or to set you free? And Jesus answers him back and he says, you have no authority over me except what has been given to you from above. And then he clarifies it even more in the gospel of the first hour that we read this evening, he says, the Lord Jesus Christ, he says to the people, therefore my father loves me. And he says something, he says, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. I lay down my life that I may take it again. So it's not that his life is being laid as a consequence of Judas's betrayal or as a consequence of the arrest of the soldiers of the temple or it is not as a consequence of, of the Roman soldiers beating him uh, or crucifying him or spear, uh, putting the spear on his side. It's not that, it's he lays down his life he laid it out of his own authority, of his authority alone. He laid down his life. That, he said, that I may take it again. And this concept that the Lord Jesus Christ set before us as a prototype is a concept that he wants all of us to live. It's not just him that does it, but he wants all of us to live this. He wants all of us to live this concept of laying down our life that we may take it again. And indeed, he says in uh, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16 and verse 25, and he says, he who wants to save his life loses it, and he who loses his life for my sake, will find it. When you say he who loses his life or loses himself, for my sake will find it. When you say that, lay down your life and lay, lay down your life that you may find it. What does it mean 
before I say what does it mean to lay down my life, what does it mean the word life itself? Yani, what is my life? When, I, when somebody comes and asks me, and, or asks any one of you, who are you? Or what are you? So we will generally respond in few options. Number one, I am, and then we'll start speaking about possessions, okay? Whatever that possession may be. Whether that may be a possession of a degree. Who are you? I am Dr. Fulain, okay? I am engineer, Fulain, uh, whatever, okay? So a possession, something that you possess, you possess a degree, okay? Or, if you possess a company, I am the CEO of this company, or I am the owner of this apartment building, or I am the owner of this market, or whatever, okay? I am, and then you define yourself by your possession. That's one way. Some other way, a person may define himself, another person may define himself by his relationship to certain people, okay? When there is a little kid, hatta even in Egypt, when they see a little kid, you learn tabnaminyol. Who are you, the son of, okay? You are whose who's kid, okay? Oh, I am uh, Mr. Fulan and Fulan, uh, you know, son or daughter. I am the son or the daughter of, of this person, okay? I am the cousin of Amba Fulain, <laughs> or I am Sharif, the son of Abu Nafulain. Okay, and then we define ourselves by our relationship, or I am the friend of this guy, friend of this person. So we define ourselves sometimes by our possessions, sometimes we define ourselves by our relationship to certain others, and sometimes even we may define ourselves by our goals and our desires. Our goals. Who are you? I'm a med school student. <laughs> or I am working towards my law degree. I am planning, so has desires, okay? Or I'm just a person that is trying to figure my way through life so I can achieve something. So the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, coming today, and he's saying, Unless you lay down your life, you will not be able to find it. So what does it mean to lay down our life? So if you find, you look through يعني, your life and my life and the life of fathers that we see in the Bible and in, in, in the church history, every person who attributed himself to something or someone other than him, other than him, then you find that God is trying to cut that cord. We have an example, مثلا, of someone like Moses. What does the Bible say about Moses? That he was the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. Okay? So long that Moses felt his position 
or the power of his position, he was not able to, to be God's servant. He was, not, he was not able to save or redeem, to save anyone, to save the Israelites. However, he goes out one day and he feels, I am the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Then I see two people fighting, Israelite and Egyptian, you know, I'm the son. I am يعني, almost, almost the second man after Pharaoh. Then go kill the Egyptian and hide him in the, in, in the sand. Then God, he, he looks at him and he says, is this what you think of yourself? You think of yourself that you are the son of Pharaoh's daughter? Tab, how about that now Pharaoh is going to find out about what you have done and Pharaoh himself, whom you thought that you can call Giddu, is going to come after you and seek to chop off your head. They didn't use to chop off heads. Egyptians, they were more fancy than this. They will do يعني, cool, okay? But that's not the point, okay? We let's get back to that. So you thought that this is the, okay? Then, then Moses, he takes off and he runs out. And then when he goes in the desert, he begins to realize that I am nobody. I am nobody, meaning in the sense of I, if I'm going to be, يعني, Putting that as my uh, as I as my uh, my weapon, or what makes me strong. That's not what's gonna make me strong. I am no. And he sat in the wilderness forty years, and then he came to the end and realized that he truly is nobody. And when he came to lay down his life, completely lay down his life. Then God appeared to him in the burning bush. And then he said to him, go and set my people free. Then he tried to find all kinds of excuses. He says, no, you are going to go and set my people free. And he did it. So when he lost his life, he was able to find it. This is when we're talking about life as in relationships. Okay. So if you come to define your life as a relationship to someone, someone here on earth, okay, then you're not laying down your life. This is, this is why we'll find, uh, this is why we'll find a lot of times our relationship to certain people is actually what stands in our way to following what? Following God. Sometimes you may be in an unhealthy relationship or an unhealthy friendship. And you come to feel that, you know, it's, it's too late. I define myself as part or member of that clique. And if I feel, if I, if I get out of that clique or if I get out of that group, I am going to be nobody. I'm going to have nobody to associate myself with. And what you're not realizing is sometimes that relationship or that person or that click is that same thing that is hindering you from finding yourself. And this is why 
you'll find the Bible filled with stories of people that left and left their own people. Our father Abraham, he was living with his family and the Lord appeared to him and he says, leave your land and your family, your parents at home and go to the land that I'm going to show you. And then Abraham came to realize that this are the people that are actually holding me down. Abraham's parents, by the way, worshiped idols. So they were not, they were not worshipers of God. But yet God spoke to him because he found in his heart faith that was, that, that, that was ready to accept. So he called them and Abraham in faith, he left his family. The Lord Jesus Christ, he says something very interesting one time and he says, unless you leave your brother and sister and father, father and mother and land and children, you cannot follow me and you cannot be my disciples. And we look at this and we think, is that really what God wants us to do? He wants us to forsake our people. Isn't that against what God commands when he says to love your enemy? So he says, love your enemy. But yet he's saying to leave all of these things. Well, he's saying to leave it as into not make this your identity. But your identity be that you are my son. Leave this as a not making this your priority. So a man one time sees him and he runs after him and he says, eh, Master, I, Lord, I want to follow you, but please allow me to go back and say goodbye to my, my family. And another occasion he says, let me go back and bury my father. So the Lord Jesus Christ, he turns to him and he says, you cannot put your hand in the plow and look down. He who does that is not fit for the kingdom of God. So he's not telling us to not be gentle and kind to our families and to do our duties to, towards them. But he's telling us that let me be your priority. Why he wants us to be his priority? Why he wants, he wants us to have him as his, our priority, because we are his priority. Because when we fell in sin, God thought of nothing else but to work our salvation. And when he thought to work our salvation, and he found that there is no other option but to be incarnate and take our humanity and come and die a terrible death like this on the cross, he did not spare his son. And he said, if this is what needs to be done, this is what will be done. This is why he set in front of us a great example, like our father Abraham, whom we just talked about right now. And he came to him and he says, if you love me, then take your son whom you love and offer a sacrifice. We're going to read that tomorrow morning in Covenant Thursday. And we love this passage. We love this passage because it reveals to us that 
there was nothing that God would hold to work our salvation, even when it meant to offer his own son. Abraham did in intent, with intent. Abraham did in his heart. God did not allow him to complete the offerings when he stopped them by the angel. But when it came to his own son, God completed the offering on the cross. So what does it mean to lay down your life? Number one is give up any relationship that is holding you away from God. Give up any relationship that is holding you away from God. Whether it is friendship, whether it is relationship as in the term that we now come to understand, whatever it is that is holding you away from God, give that up that you may find your soul. The second point is we say a lot of times we define ourselves by our possessions. By our possessions, meaning I am the owner of this, or I am the, the holder of this kind of degree, okay? And then comes God and He lays in front of us examples of people who thought the more wealthy they are, the more happy they become. And a young man in Mark 10 runs after him and he says, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit the kingdom of earth? The kingdom of heaven is. And then he asks him and he says, Well, do you know the commandment? He says, Yes, I memorized them all. I've kept them all from my youth. And then he recites for him few of the commandments, and then I say, I kept them all from my youth. And then he says, okay, good. You will lack one thing. Go sell your possessions and give it to the poor and follow me. And how does that story end? It ends in a very devastating way. He says that the man leaves sad. Sad. Why? Because this man, self, or this man's identity, is written right there in that same chapter. A young, rich man. Isn't that everybody's dream? Everyone's, everyone's dream. You ask any kid, any, any kid, what do you want to be? He says, I want to be young and rich. Why? Because if I am old and rich, I'm going to be told to enjoy my riches. You know? And if I am young, young and poor, then I won't be able to, to do anything. So everybody wants to be a young, and rich. And here exactly this man is got this young guy, he's got the exact formula of happiness. Sah? That's what we think. According to the what the media shows us and the commercials these days, okay? Young and rich. And then and then it says that this man left sad. So why did he leave sad? Because though he was young and rich, but he cannot find himself. He has lost himself. And God told them how to find himself. He said, you want to find yourself? Sell what you have. Because your possessions 
are distracting you from God. Do you feel sometimes that you work so hard sometimes for a, for a degree or for a job and for some reason you come to feel that it's almost as if God is standing in front of you. God doesn't want you to have this. And people sometimes, they take this and they get so angry at God. And says, put me in his mind. Why does he not want me to succeed? Well, he wants you to succeed. But he wants you, most importantly, to succeed spiritually. Because sometimes this earthly success may be a success that will lead you to losing yourself. So again, I'm not here to standing to preach uh, you to give up on your ambitions or giving up on your goals and giving up on, on, on wanting to you know, gain certain, certain things. God has given us all richness. You know, so that we may, may enjoy it. But do not let that stand in your way to between you and God. Sometimes, so we said, we spoke about, we spoke about giving up bad relationships that may lead me away, distract me away from God. Giving up possessions that may distract me away from God. And sometimes even giving up ambitions or goals. I want us to examine our goals and to see if these goals are godly goals or not. It is okay to want to be successful, but sometimes God will have a different plan. Saint Paul I'll just tell you a few things in his life. He was always serving. When he was a Jew, he was serving. He became a Christian. He went and he took three years of quiet time and then started serving. And then he went to Antioch and he served in Antioch for one year. His service was booming there in Antioch. And then all of a sudden, God tells him, leave Antioch and go to Asia. And then he goes in Asia and thinking that he's going to do a lot of service. And then there in Asia, he couldn't do anything. The Holy Spirit stopped him from doing anything. And then after this, he sees a dream or a vision where the people are telling him, cross over here and help us. So he leaves there and then he eventually goes to Philippi. And then he starts his ministry in Europe. And then his service starts booming in Europe. And then after a while, he returns back and then, and then he goes again in another mission and then he returns back and then he gets in prison. And then he gets in prison and when he gets in prison, he does nothing. He sits in jail and he does absolutely nothing. Okay. Now, you, you look at this and you say, God, you're stopping this man's service. He says, no, I'm not stopping his service. I'm just giving him something different to serve in. Here, he was serving and preaching. 
and there he was serving in praying, and there he was serving in writing. You understand? So God is moving him from one place to another place to another place. But in all things, Paul laid his life and he said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm really not going to be picking and choosing. I want to tell you something. We used to serve in St. Mark. We used to have uh, the head of Sunday school service at that time. He used to hand all of us a survey at the end of the year, uh, around the Feast of Nairuz. And, and that survey would ask us a few questions about how our service went through this whole last year and whatever. And then the last question of the survey always said, where do you want to serve next year? He used to put me in high school for some reason. And every single time I would answer that question and I would say second grade. I like to talk to little kids, okay? This is the capacity of my mind though. I like to, to, this is what I like to do, okay? I don't like to be serious all the time. Now we talk to older people, you have to be serious, okay? So I always say, put me in second grade, okay? Now the next year comes around high school. Okay, I finished the year, the survey comes at the end of the year. Where do you want to serve next time? And I would say second grade. And the same thing would repeat again. So after about four or five years of this, I called Uncle Victor. His name is that. And I told him, Uncle Victor, I have a question. I says, you. I told him, what's the point of, of this question? Because I've been asking, I want to serve second grade. And you tell me, you tell me go to high school. And then, and then he says, so, so when you read this question, what do you put in there? I said, I put, I want to serve in second grade. And he says, and is this something a servant should say? And I look at him, I said, what do you mean? He said, a servant doesn't choose where he wants to serve. I'm like, okay, so what's the point of the question then? <laughs> so he goes, the point of the question is that, so we may have this conversation. And I show you that you are in error. I say, okay, I won't do it again. And from that point on, I always left that question blank. And I always remained in high school. I can say anything. This is what he wants me to do. So, so this is the point. This is the point. But see, even sometimes, even in service, I feel that we lose sight of Christ in service. And that service, which is supposed to be Christ-centered, sometimes it turns out to be, again, self-centered. Because I am Mishaarif servant of A, or head servant of A, or deacon A, or Abuna A, or whatever. It's not that. We have here St. Paul, he laid his life completely. Whatever you want me, how is the Antioch, Antioch? Uh, Asia, Asia, you want me to go Europe, Europe, prison, whatever. But I am in your hand and you do with me whatever, whatever you want. I will conclude with a final statement. A person who comes to find himself in this way, meaning find himself in Christ, not find himself in his possessions, 
not find him, himself in his uh, relations, not find himself even in his ambitions, but finds himself in Christ, can very easily look at all of these things and say, I count it all as rubbish. This is what St. Paul said. He said, I have lost it all, and I counted it as rubbish. If I come and I say to somebody, when you are going out, uh, uh, empty the rubbish, the trash in your pocket. Something like this, okay? But the wallet? No, no, no. This is not rubbish. This is a credit card. This one stays, this one stays here. Doesn't, doesn't go outside. Okay? But St. Paul, he count these things, he count these things, the wallet that has the money, that has the degree, that has the ID of who is he the son of and his genealogy and, and ancestry and all of this. He count all of this as rubbish. Why? Because he came to find Christ. I will conclude with the last story. Abuna Yusuf As'ad, who served in Giza, and the area of Giza was right next to a very famous street in Egypt. Pyramids. The, at the end of it is the pyramids. It's Mushari Al Haram. Okay? Taman Shari Al Haram da Fikanes Halwa Khalas. But in addition, has some very bad clubs. Okay? But it's his area. So they came to him and they told him, Abuna, there is this Christian girl that works as a dancer in a very bad club, very bad reputation. Yeah. They gave Abuna her address. Abuna, he knows and he knocks on the door. The bodyguard opens for him. And then, yes, I'm looking for so so. Okay. He took him in, he sat in the salon, and then in the living room. And after a while, this lady comes in very improperly, very improperly dressed. And then she sits in front of Abuna Keda with her legs crossed. And then Abuna starts preaching her. And then at the end, and she smiles at Abuna and says, Ah, Abuna, and she says, Oh, this is nice words. Uh, come and visit us again. Of course, she said it in a, in a sarcastic word, not really meaning it. But Abuna, he took the opportunity. And he said, I'm going to visit her again. So he went and visited her again. And then he continued visited her over and over. And every time he would speak God's words to her. Until one day, when he walked in, little by little, of course, as Abuna is going, she started paying more attention to her attire, her clothing, the way she sits, the way she talks with Abuna, until she found Christ. And the day she came to find Christ, she said to Abuna, I want to confess, but I don't feel that this is the proper place to confess because my house that I live in is a house of sin. Will you take me with you to the church? Abuna said, sure. So she went really quickly, okay, give me just a minute, I'm going to go grab something. So she goes in, she grabs something, a bag, and, and she gets down with Abuna, and they sit in the car, and Abuna's driving, and she's next to him, and they're going to the church so she can confess. And right there, there's an area that has like a little stream, I think it's like one of the branches of the Nile or something like this, okay? 
And Abuna stands at a signal light, and when he stands at a signal light, she goes to Abuna, give me one second, give me one second. And then she ran out of the car, and she opened this little suitcase that she had, and it's filled with money. Money, hundreds and thousands of Egyptian money. And she goes to that stream of water, and she dumps it all there. She dumps it all there, and she runs back to the corner. She says, Abuna, such a relief. And he goes, what did you do? She told them, I got rid of all the trash. <laughs> and they go to the church. She sat down and she offered confession. She started going to church, taking communion. And just a couple of years later, she passed away. And Abuna says, and he said that God is my witness that when I came to approach her casket or, or box where she was laying on, he said, I smelled the fragrant oil and incense. The fragrant oil and the smell, the sweet aroma of repentance. That same smell that tonight was smelled in Bethany in the house that the Lord Jesus Christ was sitting in. Why? Because that Mary came and she poured her life at the feet of Jesus Christ. And he smelled it as a sweet aroma. And that's why she was able to find herself or find her life in Christ. And that's why wherever that gospel has been preached for the past 2000 years, what she has done has always been brought up as a commemoration for her. May we be hearers and doers of the word and glory be to God forever. Amen.